Thank you for your interest in this podcast, which I hope you will find to be thought-provoking and interesting. Please subscribe to these podcasts via the provider that you use, such as Spotify, Apple or Google. Just search for Abroad Thoughts. And please let others know about them too, so that together we can engender better thinking about some of the important issues we face today. Have you heard the expression that the only thing in life that doesn't change is change itself? This reminds us that change is happening all around us, all the time, regardless of who, what or where we are. Sometimes change is slow, predictable and welcome, but as the current COVID-19 pandemic is demonstrating, often it's not, and we usually have little or no warning nor control over the changes occurring, where they come from, or how big they might be, nor how they might play out. And change affects us all as individuals, organisations and national communities. So, how should we best respond to these changes and the impacts they have? I first became aware of the importance that change plays when I began working in the former Soviet countries in Central and Eastern Europe from the early 1990s. This was ironic because it was this previous system's inability to respond effectively to change that made its importance so evident. I remember enjoying a rather fine glass of red wine and listening to live piano and violin music in the splendid wood-panelled lobby of a hotel in Winchester Square in Prague in 1993. It reminded me of how it must have been over 50 years before in the 1930s, for so much seemed unchanged since those pre-war times. The following year I was working in the former Soviet Republic of Armenia in the Corsicus region, where many were struggling to adapt to the quite enormous changes that their country was experiencing following the then recent collapse of the Soviet Union. I remember my driver there, who was only in his early 30s, He was harking back to the Soviet days when things seemed to be more certain in their lives. And I can still remember the heartbreaking sight of a weary pensioner begging outside a restaurant there. He was wearing all his medals awarded to him in the great patriotic war against Nazi Germany almost 50 years earlier. Here was a proud man who had risked his life to serve his country, being forced to beg in the streets because of the massive changes that had upended the previous certainties in his world. Our ability to adapt to these inevitable changes is often a challenge, especially as we age and become less physically and mentally agile. Similar characteristics affect organisations and societies too. One of the inherent weaknesses of that old Soviet system was its unwillingness or inability to accommodate change through open debate and in particular real, meaningful elections, where wider changes occurring in society could be reflected in changed government policies and new ideas. This was compounded by a central planning system which was incapable of responding appropriately to the inevitable economic changes that were occurring. As a consequence, many of the former Soviet countries seemed ossified, stuck in the past, such as I saw in Prague back in 1993 but in many other countries in that region as well. This apparently stable system often felt comfortable and reassuring for those who were living under it, as change can be challenging. But they were living in a fool's paradise. This situation became progressively more and more unrealistic and unsustainable over time, as the differences between their relative static societies and the world around them became progressively larger and larger. The inevitable consequence of this was that eventually, Change happens anyway, but they were revolutionary, not evolutionary, bringing far greater instability 
unpredictability, suffering and disruption than might have been the case otherwise. Riding the political and economic tiger in our ever-changing world is difficult and we are bound to make mistakes along this road. But by engaging continually with these changes on an incremental basis, mistakes and wrong decisions are easier to spot earlier on and the required adjustments are far less painful than if we pretend that nothing changes. The same occurs in organisations. In the free market system, companies are evolving all the time in response to their ever-changing market environments. If they fail to adapt and evolve appropriately, then they will become progressively weaker and ultimately either go out of business or be taken over by more successful rivals. A successful company will be constantly looking out for potential threats and planning accordingly, but change can come quickly or from any angle, often quite unrelated to the specific areas of business in which they operate. Just a generation ago, Kodak and Yellow Pages were two large, successful and powerful companies whose business models appeared to be rock solid. Thanks to apparently unrelated technological changes, where are they now? Over 30 years ago, I completed an MBA in which I specialised in the analysis of organisations and how they could be structured in order to better suit their business environments. This might all sound rather academic and esoteric, but it has real practical implications. Since then, much of my work has involved working with public sector organisations such as government ministries, usually in developing countries. Unfortunately, this is often incredibly frustrating and fruitless, because unlike in the competitive private sector, many public sector institutions feel protected and isolated from the usual market pressures that continually drive reforms and improvements in the private sector. Instead, such pressures to change usually come from often inappropriate, ill-informed and poorly conceived political interests. These institutions frequently fail to understand that their very existence should be based on providing some sort of service to customers for which they should be accountable. Too often they ooze a stifling culture of entitlement, apathy and complacency which starts from the very top, including from their political masters, for example, their line ministers. As you can probably imagine, trying to implement any real changes is extremely hard, as those running these organisations feel under little or no pressure to adapt to the changes that continue to occur all around them. In a fast-changing world that is more and more integrated and interconnected, we need to continually evolve. We should never rest on our laurels, nor take for granted that the current status quo will continue. Change is difficult enough, but when our current situation feels especially comfortable and hence the need to change is less evident or pressing, change should be easier to manage, but it often feels harder. In the past, it was the cotton mill workers and then coal miners and steel workers in the richer Western countries who have borne the brunt of wider economic changes, over which they had no control. More recently, it has been the mainstream media and music industries, amongst others, who have been affected by technological changes. What changes are coming next, and from where will they arrive, and who will be impacted by these? Organisations devote vast resources towards trying to predict the future, but anyone who claims to know this is lying, for we simply cannot know the future with any certainty. But how should we respond to and manage this constant need to change? What role should we as individuals as well as governments play to help those who are affected by these changes? At an individual level, it seems clear that we need to remain mentally flexible 
i.e. open-minded, tolerant of new ideas and concepts, and accepting of change. This also includes continually learning new things in life, whether it's a new skill or more formal training. But an important component of this is how we view risk. For any change involves risk. They are both inevitable and present in every aspect of our lives. Indeed, without wishing to worry anyone unduly, life itself is a risk. You're not going to get out of it alive. But what is our approach to risk? Please forgive me if you're using a technical phrase, but it is inevitable that at some time in life, shit will happen. How should we respond when it does? And to what level should society aim to protect us from its downside through the provision of public health care, some level of financial support, reskilling, and care in our old age and for the infirm? There is much to be said for the idea that the sign of a society's level of development and civility can be judged by how well it cares for its most disadvantaged and weakest. But this also presents us with a dilemma. If the level of protection is too comfortable, then why take any risks or personal responsibility? Why strive for a better future for ourselves or anyone else? Striking the right balance on this is a constant challenge for those who must decide on these matters. From quite a significant amount of international experience in non-Western countries, however, I am concerned that in our so-called advanced countries, our attitude to risk in life is going in the wrong direction. We are becoming obsessively risk-averse, tying ourselves up in progressively more and more regulations and protections, often to protect the stupid and irresponsible from their own stupidity and irresponsibility. Anyone above the age of about 35 will be aware of examples where activities that were common when they were young are now not permitted due to ever more stringent health and safety regulations or other restrictions to our personal freedoms. But this is not to harp back nostalgically to some magic simple days of yore, for many of the changes over the last 30 plus years have been for the good and beneficial. As I have discussed in an earlier podcast, it is, however, to highlight the adverse consequences to our mental attitudes, our willingness to take personal responsibility for our own lives and actions, and for our approach to the inevitable risks that we face in life. And yet, despite these safeguards, many today feel increasingly insecure and under ever more threat. In particular, the social contract between society, represented by the state, and its citizens seems weaker than it was a generation or two ago. Society's safety net, provided to protect those who have been adversely affected by events or circumstances outside their control, seems increasingly inadequate. This discourages us from taking risks, for should we fail, increasingly we're on our own. Our society feels less willing or caring about helping others to get back on their feet again. The level of support for acquiring new skills and knowledge, something that is ever more important, seems ever less adequate. Likewise, many are rightly concerned by the level of care we can expect in our older age or should our health deteriorate. We might be fortunate not to fall sick, but most of us will grow old eventually, and the magnitude of change occurring today means that we will be far more likely to need to change our work and our careers. Compounding this concern is that our societies often feel angrier and far less forgiving, less tolerant or caring about others. Perhaps this has been exacerbated by an increasingly greedy, impatient, self-interested individualism that seems to have predominated since the 1980s. Is it any wonder that we are increasingly wary of taking risks? With their power and influence, 
Businesses and community leaders have an essential role to play in how well our society embraces and manages these inevitable changes. The rising level of anger and frustration that we come across so much these days makes life less pleasant for everyone, but it is also symptomatic of an underlying fear that many have towards their own futures. Only this week, the OECD Development Centre has identified increasing discontent with the current situation, with rising street protests and anger, lower voter turnouts and falling trust in many political leaders and their governments. Stories of the quite gross inequalities between the tiny, privileged minority compared to the majority and the way that those in power seem to feather their own nests and those of their close associates often the public expense, just adds rocket fuel to this fire. Unless society's elites recognise these pressures and enact meaningful reforms to the systems from which they have benefited so much, then just like the communist elites in the 1980s, they will become progressively out of step with society as a whole. The inevitable result of this will be change that is far more likely to be violent, uncontrolled and destructive rather than a managed incremental evolution. In particular, politicians need to focus on their role of representing their entire communities rather than just a well-connected, well-funded and well-organised subset, especially vested interests and their lobbyists, whose interests run counter to those of the public that the politicians claim to be representing. Likewise, business leaders and shareholders need to be a great deal more aware and responsive to wider community interests for their business success was built upon and relies on this wider social foundation. Enriching themselves and their friends and associates to a level that most people in society consider to be excessive, and yes, I'm thinking of you, Jeff Bezos, is rightly seen by most in society to be greedy and downright wrong, especially when others' needs and risks are so great. If community and business elites do not take it upon themselves to modify what are seen by many to be their greedy, short-term, selfish behaviour, but respond instead meaningfully to society's broader values in a managed evolutionary process, then do not be surprised when the rest of society forcibly intervenes to change a status quo that it sees as being unreasonable, unjust and unchanging. History is littered with examples where elites in society fail to recognise or adjust to the broader changes occurring around them, whether it was the fall of the monarchies in Russia in 1917 and France in 1789, or the collapse of communism in 1989. As that other expression goes, those who fail to learn from the mistakes of history are condemned to repeat them. <laughs>